Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Violet Hour presents 911, what is your emergency? I'm calling to report a stabbing. Are you the victim? No. Is the victim conscious? No, she's dead. You're calling from Queens? That's off Sutphin Boulevard. Ma'am, what is your name? Alicia. Alicia Higgins. What is the victim's name? My grandma. Her name is Beulah Mitchell. Is the assailant still on the premises? Yes. Where are you located? In the bedroom. Where's the assailant? In the bedroom. Ma'am? Excuse me? I did it. Ma'am? I stabbed her. Ma'am, I need you to stay calm. Police are on the way. Grandma, no! No! Someone killed my grandma, oh God! There's blood everywhere, God help us, please! Please! The disturbing call you just heard occurred on the night of January 15th, 1993. 16-year-old Alicia Higgins called emergency services to report the stabbing of her 75-year-old grandmother, Beulah Mitchell. In an almost trance-like state, Alicia seemingly confesses to the brutal murder, but then, as if awakened from some ghastly nightmare, breaks into agonizing hysterics when reality takes hold and she has no recollection of what just happened. What followed would be Alicia's introduction to Fillmore Psychiatric Hospital and the beginning of one of the strangest unsolved chain of events in the annals of American crime. This is Lifting the Rug, a production of RFE Radio, where we explore hidden secrets, unsolved mysteries, and shine a light for justice. I'm Samantha Williams, and together, let's venture back into the gloom. Episode 2, Bedtime Stories. Welcome back, listeners, and thank you for continuing this macabre journey with me. We now have access to material that fills in even more of the missing gaps in the story of the gloom. Thanks to Johnny Higgins, brother of 16-year-old Alicia Higgins, who stabbed their 75-year-old grandmother, Beulah Mitchell, to death, we are able to further delve into the who and where of this story to hopefully synthesize the why. 
Upon entering the South Ozone Park apartment of Beulah Mitchell, police discovered Alicia sitting in front of the apartment door, cross-legged and covered in blood, calmly waiting for their arrival. In an adjacent living room lay Beulah's dead body, ultimately determined to have been stabbed 90 times with a kitchen knife that still remained buried between her shoulder blades. Alicia was described by her peers and adults as a model citizen and an active member of her community and church. I mean, everyone used to say how pretty she was, but what really got me was just how smart she was. She had it all, you know? She was like the only person I ever knew who got like 90s on every region she took. And she helped me with chemistry too. She was mad smart and had a really good way of explaining complicated stuff. I... I totally had a crush on her. Everybody did. Seriously, she was fine. She was an insanely good athlete too. Swimming, girls, basketball. People used to say she could have joined the cheerleading squad if she wanted to, but (laughs) that just wasn't her style. You know, I think she was just too busy doing stuff for her church youth group. People always came first to her. When we'd visit our mama's grave, she'd take flowers for her. But she'd take extra. She always would be sad when going past graves that looked neglected. So one day, she decided to take extra flowers and put them there. That's the kind of person she was. Alicia was a true humanitarian, loved people, wise beyond her years. I never thought that she could hurt anything let alone do what they say that she did. What dark force entered Alicia back in 93 that made her commit those violent actions was anyone's guess. Alicia's story is that of the rest of her group, a group that Dr. Darlene Harrington was charged to help. They all seemed like your typical pretty decent kids, endearing, funny, lovable, each shrouded in a darkness clawing its way out into the open. A darkness readying to unravel their worlds forever. For those who grew up in Jamaica, Queens, there used to be a saying about the Fillmore Four. When the third and dark, they're at your door. The Fillmore Four are there for joy. They will stop their back for more. Group therapy can be rewarding and highly effective in helping people overcome emotional blind spots and roadblocks. It can be cathartic and supportive. It can also be challenging and counterproductive. Group therapy with younger teenagers often fits into the latter category due to varying levels of maturity and the desire of participants to either dominate the conversation or not speak at all. That dynamic was not present amongst the Fillmore Four. In fact, their camaraderie Their unification through shared tragedy and delusion was so strong that it made them powerful, closely knit allies. Now, thanks to Johnny, let me introduce them to you. 
damn thing killed my dogs. I also believe that Roland Ierby, the 17-year-old teen accused of the murder, is involved in a series of ritualistic animal mutilations spanning the past three years in the Ravenswood housing projects. The crimes are not believed to be a manifestation of the teen's developmental disability, but a decision he was consciously aware of. Court-appointed psychiatrist Dr. Monroe is requesting anyone with additional information. Damn thing killed my dogs! Roland, what damn thing are you referring to? Can't... Can't you hear it? It's here. Right now! Right now! Right now! Right now! Ah! It gets in my head. It makes me do awful things. Earl was identified as 16-year-old Kiara Walford, convicted of setting various fires in the adjacent neighborhood of Hollis, Queens, including one fatal blaze that took the lives of five people. The district attorney accepted a plea bargain from Walford and agreed to pursue incarceration at a facility equipped to treat sickle cell anemia. I know you're angry at the world, Kiara. I got it all wrong, Doc. It's... it's draining me. Like vampire, it's or something. I, I'm, I'm so tired. Do you hear that? What, Kiara? Tell me what you hear. It sounds like a, like a ringing or a, a hum. It could be your iron levels. We'll run some labs and we'll assess. No, it's not fucking iron. It's, it's, it's in the room with us. It's, it's it. It's listening. Bruce, what are you scared of? <laughs> Aside from everything? Come on, Dr. Lasher, don't you know? Don't you know? Tell me, Bruce. It's in here. It's, it's looking through you and into me. The 15-year-old teen, previously listed as a runaway, escaped from the Upper West Side apartment building nude and covered in blood. The teen, who remains unidentified at the time, was screaming about the men who had imprisoned him in the penthouse apartment for the past six months and repeatedly physically and sexually abused him. Police entered the penthouse of the Bamford where they found a shocking scene. The bodies of three high-profile Wall Street bankers dead. Their bodies mutilated. I did what it wanted. It wouldn't let me go if I didn't. It's talking to me again. I can hear it. I can hear it and it wants more! Don't you see it? See what, Alicia? It's here. I can hear it. I, I can feel it. The sound... It, you can't unhear it. It's like an infection. It's... It grows and it gets worse. And Tell me, Alicia. Stay with me now. Tell me again. Where does it live? It lives inside all of us. No matter where you stand in terms of the culpability, no matter which side you take, science or the supernatural, by any definition, these children were haunted. 
And the most remarkable aspect of it all is that at the time of those tapings, none of these four young people had ever met. These were their intake interviews with the chief medical officer of Fillmore Psychiatric Hospital, Dr. Edmund Lasher. Nonetheless, they all shared a haunting group delusion of a shadowy entity known only as the gloom. The following is an excerpt of their first group therapy session with Dr. Harrington. You're late. Uh, name again? I'm Dr. Harrington, Bruce, but you can call me Darlene. Cool intro. Did you practice it in front of your mirror last night? Uh, we've gone through a handful of you in just one week, miss. Right. So, shall we get started? Tell me, where are you all from? We're all from Crazyland, miss. Where else? Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Right. What do you want me to say? Do you want me to rile the rest of them up with things that don't matter? Because I can do that. Ayo, toothpick. The wall's a melting. My God. They are melting. I can see the pipes. Copper. Nine-inch circumference. Plywood frames. Frames rotted by black mold. Good Lord. The walls, they're melting. Shut up, Bruce. I was just being a dick. The walls ain't melting. They're fine. Everyone's got their magic tricks, Dr. Textbook. Who the hell are you anyway? You know nothing about us. Just scratch away on your little pad, run back home to your fancy apartment, cash your fucking paycheck. What have you been writing down on your pad? It's actually not about you, it's about me. Bullshit. Prove it. Okay. Here. It says I suck at my job. Oh, great. She sucks at her job? Ow, Kiki! That hurt, goddammit! Bruce, you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? Okay, Doc, so you suck at your job. So what? I think what I'm trying to get at is that... I know what pain is. Oh, yeah? You're like us. How do you cope with it? Vodka. So much that I get sick if it stops. What are you afraid of, miss? Snakes and failure. You? Mirrors. Do you all have that fear? Or is it something else that you all share? I mean, all of you together. Like a menacing dark force that envelops you and takes you over? (sighs) Finally getting somewhere. I like a story that will take me to extremes. And nothing says extreme quite like The Last City, a new Wondery podcast available now. Set in 2072, the city of Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image, which, given its promise of being a miraculous green haven in a climate-ravaged world, shouldn't be too hard to sell but things are not always as perfect and shiny as we'd like to believe. When she stumbles upon a dark secret that could lead to the downfall of Pura's existence if revealed, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. Yeah. Can, can I speak to Max Glover, please? Who's looking for him? My name is Samantha Williams. I'm an investigative journalist with RFE Radio, and I was hoping that I could reach... Let me stop you right there, lady. Max was my nephew, but he ain't around no more. What? What do you mean that he's... He's dead. I haven't heard from you goddamn reporters in a long time, and I'd prefer to keep it that way. I'd appreciate it if you never called this fucking number again. But, what? <sighs> Max Glover was an orderly who worked directly with the Fillmore Four. While the call to his loved one's residence proved unsuccessful, it was a valuable lead in determining next steps. Max Glover was indeed dead. 
based on the death certificate I was able to acquire. His death was self-inflicted and attributed to a combined drug intoxication. But we know nothing of whether the death by a lethal cocktail that ultimately took his life was accidental or deliberate. There was no indication of addiction. Was Max Glover yet another casualty of the Fillmore Four? My search for clarity has only resulted in more obfuscation. A Freedom of Information request has been filed for more information regarding Max's involvement at Fillmore. I now begin the daunting process of reaching out to law enforcement for answers. This is going to be fun. 103rd Precinct, Timmins, how can I direct your call? Yes, I am looking to speak to someone in robbery, homicide. Reason? I am calling about the Fillmore Four. (laughs) Did I say something funny? Usually these calls get disconnected. Hang on. Florida, robbery, homicide. Hi, my name is Samantha Williams. I'm a journalist for the RFE Radio Network, and we're doing an investigation into the Fillmore Four. I was directed to you by Officer Timmons. How nice of him. Okay. Well, I'm sure you are well aware of the specifics of that ghost story, right? Uh, To an extent. I probably know as much as you know, ma'am. It's a cold case. In fact, I'd say it's Arctic. Off the record, the kids who went missing are probably dead. The person most likely at fault certainly is. I remember it. I remember that case well. Honestly, it's not one we're ever going to clear. I don't know if you watch the news lately, but we've got more pressing issues in this city. I'm sure if the kids were white, there would be more interest in what happened to them. Well, look, lady. When I have to consult a crying mother, it doesn't hurt less if she's brown or black. Every day I have to find some kind of hope for the families of the dead we try to get justice for. But I spend most of my days and nights chasing shadows. There's something about that last line that really got to me. Something about chasing shadows. They're everywhere throughout this story, and the people who I talk to. Some kind of unsaid thing, like an inside joke, or something that I just don't get. In the bottom of the 11th, the score is 4-3, to three, tying runners on third. Here's the pitch. The Blue Jays have won the World Series! They've done it! They've won the World Series! In 1992, the Toronto Blue Jays became the first non-U.S. baseball team to win the World Series. In 1993, they did it again. While Canada was beating us at our own game, they were also revisiting their health care system and would ultimately stand strong with their commitment to the principle of universal access on the basis of basic need and not the ability to pay for services. While Canadians were considering their options regarding health care and their young people, the United States was busy coming up with the three strikes rule, which saw many young men of color, particularly those with serious mental health disorders, end up in a prison system not equipped to deal with their issues. A nebulous Rubicon of doom, which in certain instances 
The only escape was death. The war on drugs, race riots in LA, the hard, insurmountable political divisions, the development of two different justice systems for two groups of our society, the massive income inequality gap between the rich and the working class, and finally, the criminal justice bill and the school to prison pipeline subset that laid the foundation of America's war on children. A war that would see the number of children in adult facilities jump by 366% from 1983 to 1997. This is where those seeds were sown. The Fillmore Four were never going to have a chance, but it is no surprise that they were ostracized, turned into devils, and had nursery rhymes about their alleged deeds spread amongst their community. It's a far cry from the Alicia Higgins that was described by her peers and teachers. Hey, Samantha, it's Johnny Higgins, Thursday night. Listen, I've been having some second thoughts based around the context of our conversation from the other day. I'm extremely fucking frustrated and feel a little conned. We need to talk ASAP. Hi, you've reached Johnny Higgins. You know what to do. Hi, Johnny. Samantha Williams, returning your call. It's Friday the 6th. Let's keep this dialogue going. I want to address your concerns. Yo, it's Johnny. I don't appreciate this game of phone tag. I'm going to tell you straight up. I think you're playing me. I find this shit mad disrespectful. Call me back. Yo. Hey, Johnny. I am so glad I caught you. Hmm. I listened to your messages. Where is all that coming from? I thought we were working well together on this story. See, that's where we got a problem. This ain't just a story. I I know that, Johnny. You pulled me into this because you said you wanted to deliver justice. What justice have been done? More specifically, what the hell have you done? Okay, look. I don't know what you were expecting by now, but I've been working my ass off for this. So I need- Really? Yeah, really. I'm turning over rocks that have been tumbled around for decades. I've been speaking to the cops, to the state, to the Department of Health. I've been getting the runaround and not giving up. All nice pleasantries. But talk is cheap, kid. What you got that I haven't gotten already? Hey, listen, Johnny. I'm out there doing my best, and if I'm honest, it's more than what you've been able to do in the last 20 years. Are you fucking kidding me? You fucking bitch! I should've never come to you! You all the same! You don't give a shit about us! What the fuck's your problem, man? This is a waste of my time! I should've never talked to you, low-life wannabe fucking reporter! Are you done? Yeah, I'm fucking done. Okay. I'm gonna ignore the last part, because I understand the frustration. Believe me. With all you've been through, if I can help by you taking your frustrations out on me so we can get back to doing what we got to do, so be it. You you just... I'm just trying to do my job. And if you think about it, that's what you would really want me to focus in on. Do you want me to be your friend or get the job done? You can be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I want you to do your job. But I still need you to help me. 
Can can you help me still? Yeah. What was that? What? Never mind. Look, I will get to the bottom of this. I'll get the bastards for what they've done. You're not the first person to say that. No. But I'll be the last one. I just want to know what happened to her. I want to know what happened to all of them. Someone was wrong, whether it was those doctors or her. Too many fucking questions. And I'm going to figure this out. Are you going to figure it out or answer my fucking questions? I'm going to answer your questions. All of them. They're my questions, too. This case is my heart. I could have been one of the Fillmore Four. You haven't listened to all the tapes, have you? I am carefully evaluating every piece of audio. Once you hear the darkness, it can't be unheard. Okay, Johnny. I'll... I'll talk to you later. I don't know. Sometimes it's like watching a movie or something. It's like watching characters and you don't care about them. Not really. And what about you? I'm one of the characters. Well, you said sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's, um, it's like I... Black out. I don't remember. Have you ever gone under for surgery? Yes, I have. You know how you wake up and it feels like it's been five minutes? And it's actually three hours later or something? Yes, I do. It's like that. What about normally? You know, everyday type of situations? That's the thing. It's always there. It's always freaking there. Okay. Okay. I'm just so tired. And lately, I don't know, it's like it's been louder or something. I'm just so tired. been listening to The Gloom, a production of Violet Hour Media, produced and directed by Frank Merle, written by Peter Winsutsky and Michael Asip, music by Talib Peshkapia, sound design by John Zowski, mixed and mastered by Jean-Marc Preset, executive produced by Cassie Josephoff. Lynette Hachel is the voice of Samantha, Charles Riffenberg is Mark, Michael Clark is Johnny, Carrie Weeder is Darlene, and Tobin Bell is Dr. Lasher. The Fillmore Four are Hunter Johnson, Veronica Johnson, Angeline Labrie, and Spencer Ortega. Additional voices by James Cowan, Galen Howard, 
Jake Kaufman, Aaron Killeen, Keith Corneluk, Danielle Today, and Eileen Dietz as Dr. Glassman. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.